This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, and uh, we have someone who I haven't talked to in a few weeks. He's been, I don't know, you've been, uh, I, I, you, our, our text th- thread until this morning went conspicuously silent. And then I, someone... F- Shout out the first time. Maybe it was you. You were Benji or something. Anyway, Fred Katz of The Athletic. Um, hello, sir. How are you? I'm lovely. It's wonderful to be back. I'm just what you, splendid. What have you been doing? I don't know. Nothing. Rotting rotting away. I, I feel like people just assume the beat writers do nothing other than beat write. So when I'm not beat writing, I'm purposeless and alone in a void. I saw when I was covering the Thunder, I bumped into Ennis Cantor at the supermarket once and he saw me at Whole Foods and he saw Amazing. me and he goes, what are you doing here? I was like, I'm grocery shopping, Ennis. He looked at me like I was like a teacher who we saw at school for the first time. That's exact. That's the comp that I was going to make. It's like you're, you're yeah. talking about it like students think their teachers when they're not teaching, just sit alone in a dark room. Mm-hmm. By the way, Ennis was walking around that Whole Foods asking little children, approaching children and asking if they want to take pictures with him. <laughs> I one of one in his case. Yep. It's fu- <laughs> go. No, that's it. That's the whole story. I, I I I saw his name earlier today when I was doing some doing some research because uh, I was looking at um, the assists of all starting centers for conference finalists over the last five years and I was reminded what assist per game in the playoffs of all conference finalists over the last five oh, years. Oh, you were looking at like the leaders, not like the fewest. No, no. I was looking at every starting center that was a starting center for a conference finalist. So four conference finals a year, five years. So 20 starting centers. I was looking at how many assists per game all of them got because we just watched obviously Jokic and to a lesser extent, Bam Adebayo kind of play make their way through these through these playoffs. And um, I forgot that Inez Freedom, I should say, not Canner, Freedom, uh, was a starting center on a conference finalist within the last five years for Portland. Oh, my God, you're right. I completely forgot that because so Nurkic got, <laughs> got hurt that year. Yes, he did. I completely forgot that. Man, that was only five years ago. It, yeah, it was the 2019 uh, yeah, it was postseason. Four years ago. It was four years ago. It wasn't uh, that long ago. Well, it's funny that like how quickly the sport and the league can change. Where I mean, it was that was viewed as like a thing that was kind of past its time 
uh, as it was happening, but like it could still happen. He was still like do, he was starting games, and they made it to like that couldn't happen today. I don't think at least maybe I, maybe hey, I'm I mean people are people are talking all the time now, rightfully so, about the Nuggets. You know, Nuggets All NBA Center, and I I agree. We should all be talking about the Andre Jordan, <laughs> like. How, he made two All NBA teams, I believe. He was first team All NBA like less than ten years ago, uh, and it is amazing. This is not to demean DeAndre Jordan; he was a very good player in his prime. He's obviously nope. not the same player now that he was in his prime. But like, look, when he was making first team All NBAs, that was kind of the height of people saying, "Oh." Center position's done. Yeah. It's just small ball. And I remember Mike D'Antoni would always push back against that, right? He would say, it's, no, it's skill ball. It's not small ball. If That's you have good. skills, you can play. You don't have to be small to play. It's just that smaller people normally have more skills. And it really is skill ball because now you've got Embiid and you've got Bam and you've got Jokic and you've got Towns. AD. You've, got, you've got AD. You've got all these giant dudes who are awesome and it's like oh maybe we shouldn't have just canceled the center position forever uh when it was just kind of in a downtrodden period this is this is going to sound like deandre jordan hate but i do think that there is a very real conversation about that him his first team all nba selection is there has arguably never been a i don't want to say a worse player but like a lesser, in terms of how we regard regard players historically, a lesser regarded player make first team All NBA. I have absolutely no idea if that's true. I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. I you know, you know your hit. I know you're just being kind. Good, good by good job by you. No, I just enjoy the fact that you started that off with. This is going to sound like DeAndre Hort Jordan hate, but and then you just said he was the worst player ever to do something. The you worst player to, ever to do a really you should have said thing. this. Is, you should have said this is going to sound like DeAndre Jordan hate and not but <laughs> improper. This is going to sound it. like Jonathan Macri hate, but Macri is by far the worst host at Knicks film school. Everyone there is great. Everyone there is great. He's the worst of a great group, but he's by far the worst. It's going to sound I, like hate, but it's it's not. I don't know how. I, I yeah, I'd probably be a little offended at that. Okay, so yeah. It's going to sound like DeAndre Jordan hate because it is. Sorry, DJ. Congratulations on your NBA championship. Um, we're not here to talk about DeAndre Jordan. Once, once a Nick, always a Nick, DeAndre Jordan. Um, we're here to talk about the Knicks because uh, you have a piece that will already be out by the time folks are listening to this, um, but it's not yet out as we are recording this. But you sent me a draft copy, which was really a treat to read through and get a get a hint at your your writing process have you always written this way by the way this kind of like with the all yeah. caps and with like the i think i think so yeah i just i have horrible adh for those who can't tell from the way that i podcast i have horrible adhd i'm incapable of sitting on one topic that's why i have to do my job because if i did any other job i wouldn't be able to concentrate <laughs> so oh, okay. so so i i you just can be like write, a bean counter I write, you didn't even, this isn't even the worst what I sang you. That was like the cleaned up version. Like, oh. I will write whatever comes to my mind, no matter what. I'll repeat words when I want to put in a, a synonym for something. I'll write it in all caps, so that way it just I, if, I, if I feel like I'm using the same that. over and over, I'll just write it in all caps. I'll write a phrase in all caps. Sometimes I'll write metaphor here. I'll just realize, oh, that's a good line. That's a good line. That's a good 
time to get right early right here. It needs to get right early or this is too dry right early. And then I'll move stuff from the bottom of the top and stuff from the top to the middle and I'll delete sections and put in. That's actually, it's probably a lot more efficient than my process. My process, I just, I will write and then I'll go back to the top of whatever I've written and I'll just reread it from the top and then just make edits until I get to the end and then reread it again. And it's, it's not efficient, but, um, Editing is about restructuring as much as it is rearranging words. There you go. I like that. Uh, okay. Not that people don't care about this, but uh, people your, don't piece, care. your piece is uh, about, Emmanuel. about the DeAndre Jordan conversation. Yes. Well, um, your piece is not about DeAndre Jordan or your own writing process. This is about Emmanuel quickly, which is a good entree into our discussion, uh, our, our pre- Pre, pre, like craziness discussion because I'm sure we'll have more discussion soon about the craziness. This is before the craziness has happened because we know there will be craziness. Um, but let's start with quickly. So you have this piece in which you did the exact same thing that you did a year ago uh, with a different player. A year ago, you spoke to it was 15 executives, right? Also for RJ Barrett. Last year with the RJ piece, it was 16. Yeah, 16, 16 executives. Yeah. And you asked them, what would you give RJ Barrett in an extension? And it was a fascinating piece. Um, at the time, and it remains a fascinating artifact now because of how RJ was perceived at the time and how I think there was a lot of um, varying opinions about him and, and what he could become and so on and so forth. And then he had this season, which was not a very good season, not a terrible season, but not a great season. And then a, a playoffs, which was pretty good. And I wonder how people view that extension now. We could talk about that later, but the quickly piece is even more interesting to me or just as interesting because I think unlike RJ, we know what, like, it's pretty clear what quickly was on this team. Like, I think when you look at him, it's like, oh, that is a very, very good basketball player who contributes to winning. Like, there's no discrepancy about that. The uncertainty with him and what makes this extension so fascinating is what could he be on another team? Maybe not on another team, but it's pr- it would probably have to be on another team because the next part of it is with a bigger role. And whether that just entails more usage, whether that entails a starting job and, and more usage, whether it entails the types of plays that are run for him or that he is allowed to run, all of the things that fall under that umbrella, which is why there, I think, was a fair bit of discrepancy even about quickly in the piece that, you wrote. So let's start with um, what did what did you think you were going to get when you spoke to all these executives? Let's start there. The numbers that I got for the most part skewed a little lower than I thought they would. Interesting. I, yeah, I kind of figured that the sweet spot was going to be 20 to 23, something like that a year. I have 19 to 23, 18 to 22, something like that. 10 out of the 15 participants ended up choosing a salary somewhere between 16 and 20 million a year. And that ended up really being the sweet spot there. There were a couple, couple people who had them at 25, 27 and a half. And, and there was, there was one person who had them at four years, 50 million. Uh, and I even say in the piece, like that person acknowledge that that's not a realistic thing. Uh, he obviously just doesn't evaluate quickly the way that basically everybody else evaluates quickly. And it doesn't, it's not helpful for applying to the Knicks because if the Knicks felt that lowly quickly, they would have traded quickly a long time ago. He would have been better off for them traded than, than, than kept. So, uh, 
you know, I, I think that 16 to 20 number is, is, is good working off of last year. The Barrett number ended up being pretty, pretty on target. Uh, yeah. and I'm, I was surprised because I figured, so last year was a great time to get paid on a rookie scale extension. If you were a scoring guard, it was a great time. You got Jordan Poole getting paid insane amounts. You got Tyler Hero getting $123 million over four years. Uh, you got RJ getting $107 million over four years. Uh, Anthony Simons resigned for a hundred over four years. Uh, it was a great time to be a scoring guard. And I just figured... Quickly's agent, he's with Raymond Brothers. I figured Raymond Brothers is going to come in with comps. That's the way these negotiations always go. They come in with comparable contracts. Oh, so-and-so got this. We're working off of that. Uh, so my guy is worth this. I figured he would say something along the lines of, and this is me making up how a negotiation goes in my head, which I think is a fun activity to do when you do these exercises because it's part of it, right? You don't just yep. get paid. As Jalen Rose says so eloquently, you don't get paid what you're worth. You get paid what you have the leverage to negotiate. That's a good uh, line. That all the time. It's a good line, and it's very true. And you have to kind of play these these out. You have to role play these out in your head. And so I figure if I'm if I'm quickly's reps, I'm going to the Knicks, and I'm saying Tyler Hero won six man of the year last year, and he got 123. Uh, Jordan Poole got more than that, right? Uh, 140 with 120. Something was get fully guaranteed, and the hero, the hero guarantee the number amount. was smaller. It was than about most. the same amount as hero. And Jordan Poole yeah. didn't win six man of the year. Emmanuel quickly finished second. Uh, I think you could also come in and say R.J. Barrett got 107 over four years, and uh, we think, and, and this is not necessarily my opinion per se, but this is how I would negotiate it if I were his agent. We think that Emmanuel quickly is that we know that you think that Emmanuel quickly is farther along than RJ Barrett, because by the end of this year, he was closing over RJ the majority of the time. So if you evaluate RJ Barrett at four for 107, and it always stood out to me that the time RJ signed his deal, Julius Randall's guaranteed money was 106 and RJ signed for 107. If you think RJ is worth 107, well, quickly is ahead of him. He's a year behind. He might be you know, a little bit older, but he's a year behind in terms of experience and he's, he's closing over him and he's getting close to accolades. He's got to be worth more. Um, and a lot of people I spoke to just shot down that comparison. Some people agreed with it. A lot of people were just like, if an agent said that to me, I'm just like, no, I don't buy it. I think it's more along the lines of one person compared to the Colin Sexton contract well, last year. Can I jump in? And when you, you said, yeah, you sent me, uh, you were kind enough to to actually type out all of the results, all the fifteen results, and I looked at it, and my eyes gravitated. Maybe because I'm I've taught math one too many times. My my eyes gravitated right towards the middle, like the the you know the the top of the bell curve, the thing that's most there. And I four for seventy two, four for seventy two, four for seventy two, four for seventy two, four for seventy two. I was like, oh, okay, so they think he's worth the Sexton contract because a year ago. Now it's not quite apples to apples because the cap has gone up. What's the cap go, gone up since last year? Five, six percent. So I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah, but it's 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 probably going up ten percent every year after this. Too. Yes. But Sexton got four for seventy one. Now you want to tell me that was a little bit different because Utah was in a I don't know what position Utah was doing, but whatever. Maybe Utah was feeling a little bit more loosey goosey with their their money. They wanted to facilitate the trade, you know. And yeah, there was also there was also base year compensation you had to take into account to make the money work and assign and trade for Donovan Mitchell. Yes, 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 well. yes, you did. Yeah. 
Um, so definitely a factor. But like that's what jumped out to me. And like every Nick fan is going to hear that. or I, I imagine most Nick fans will hear that and be like, well, that's ridiculous. Emmanuel quickly is a much more is a much better player than Colin Sexton. He's certainly more helpful to winning. And while I agree with that, and I have a feeling you agree with that, there is the small fact of the matter that once upon a time, Colin Sexton averaged 24 points a game, um, which like, okay, you could say that's meaningless. It doesn't mean nothing. And then that the reason I bring that up is because of what you just said about Barrett. And like, I've been the one who gets on post games. I know you've listened to them where I'm like, one of these players is helping the Knicks win games. The other one is not in terms of RJ and, and quickly. And yet you look up and there's RJ. He, he gets his 20 men and you give him the ball and he, 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 and quickly, and this is going to lead to the next thing because you wrote in the story how much quickly hurt himself potentially in the playoffs. And I don't know how other t- the t- people you, who you spoke with, how they viewed that as like, was it the Knicks not putting the ball in his hands or was it just him? I mean, he just like didn't, he didn't show, he didn't come up big in a big moment. I don't know what it was, but you looked up at the end of the day and you looked at his scoring average in the playoffs. And I don't know exactly what it was, but it wasn't the scoring average of guy who's going to get paid, you know, a a nine figure contract. So I I don't know. Is there something about like, does he have the mentality of a guy who's going to go out there and put up 15, 16, 17 shots a game? Like I, where do you, where do you, what, why do you think the numbers came in the way they did? Well, so, I mean, one person who I spoke to for this story, I mean, you, you, you saw the quote, I assume like they I did. I brought up, pool and hero to this person and he was like no it's totally different hero performed in the postseason on the way to the finals pool performed in the postseason on the way to the finals quickly did not perform in the postseason and whether you really believe that affects your opinion on quickly or not you can bet you can bet your ass that the knicks are bringing that up during the negotiation like how irresponsible would that be to the shareholders of Madison square garden? If they didn't bring that up. Right. Like, and pool was part of, I mean, look, he was not good. And he, there were some of those playoff games where he played like 10 minutes, but he was on an NBA champion. Like he helped them get there. And that was also, if we're going to put it in the context of like, they won the title and they have a closing window like they were fully in on just maximize the window. And yes, and, and Joe Lacob was fully in on, I don't give a crap how much it costs to maximize the window. So like I get if someone pushes against the pool contract being, being a, a good comp because the circumstances around it were so different than what they will be with quickly. But he had hero. It, yeah. But, but sorry, just to go for here. Isn't wasn't hero kind of the same we could get into Barrett if you want to, because I mean the the circumstances surrounding when and well when that contract was handed out are a whole different kind of fascinating. But even like Hero, if they play like hardball or whatever, if they let it go to the summer, like how does that help? How does that help Miami? Like where they are, and like they're a team that's trying to win every year. Like I I could I think you could make the same argument about Hero as you just did about Pool. Yeah, sure. Miami also is notorious for paying its guys. Yes. Like Miami, Miami will pay all of its guys. It it always has at least one contract that looks wild on its books. It always has a Duncan Robinson contract. It always has Kelly a Leaders contract. James uh James, James Johnson, right. yeah. It always has one of those. And 
somehow it always manages to get out of it white side uh, <laughs> yeah the white side contract totally oh they God. just they 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 bring back their guys they pay their guys that's what they do uh by the way vincent's and Struce's free agencies will be very interesting because of that but i i with quickly i just think whether honestly his pros postseason performance did not really affect what i think of him Okay. I know there are people who will push back on that postseason performance and say, actually, he was good. The impact metrics say they were better when he was on the floor, which they I do. Buy. I don't I, I don't buy it. And I, impact metrics are not an end all be all. Uh, they they need context. They absolutely need context. And a lot of the context of that was he tended to play a good amount with good players. Uh, and that, that affected yeah. things a lot. Uh, there's also the case of like, if you shoot, there's a certain percentage you have to shoot. There's a certain aggressiveness you have to display in order, like a baseline in order to actually be a positive contributor. For example, it doesn't really matter how good Matisse Thibel plays defensively. If, if he decides to have a 5% usage, and he's just never going to shoot the basketball, then he's going to hurt his team. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, and, and if you're going to shoot 30%, like that's going to hurt your team and quickly lost aggression throughout all that being said, even though I don't think he played well or close to up to his standards during the playoffs, all that being said, I, it doesn't really affect what I think of him as a player, the, the sample showing how good he is, we've just seen how good he is too much and for too long. And he's too young for me to think that's just the thing that's going to go on into perpetuity. You know what I mean? Um, I think in order to say quickly, quickly's playoff performances affects how I think of him now, you need to be able to answer the question and maybe you can answer this, but you need to be able to answer the question. Okay. Why did the shooting and the scoring fall off so much in the playoffs? Why did the aggression fall off so much in the playoffs? I don't really know the answer. I haven't really figured it out. I can't, I can't put my finger on what it is. I, and because of that, I can't really say it affects it all that much. I need to know the answer to that. You know, what, what, what do you think? So this is why <laughs> I know what other people think. And I know there are people out there who think that, and this is obviously a long-running theme, not just with Quickly, but of uh, many young players on this team going back to since Tibbs was hired, is that Tom Thibodeau is not in the business of empowering, I don't want to say all of his young, like every one of his young players. Now, obviously, that is not totally true because he came in and R.J. Barrett got all everything he could possibly want. And then some in his first year. And then in RJ's second year, um, over the last three and a half months, as you wrote the story, New Year's, New Year's Eve was when it was when the, 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 the it started to turn around. He had like a, what do you have? Like a 28 usage rate or the ridiculous number it was, you know, and then you can go back even further and you want to talk about what he, what he did with, with towns and Wiggins and Levine and Derek Rose. And like, so, but it is very clear, to, even to me, who's Tom Thibodeau's biggest supporter, that some guys, some young guys, Tibbs, uh, what do you say, trusts, empowers, whatever verb you want to use, from the outset, like instantly. And then other guys have to do a little bit more to earn that trust. And I do think that if 
they went into the postseason and it's not just Tibbs. Every coach, and we've talked about this offline and on, and on here, every coach, it's like, okay, it's not cutting time. What are we going to do? We're going to put the ball in the hands of our best players and our best players are going to have the ball. They're going to make either draw two to the ball. They're going to, you know, whatever. Like, it's easy to see quickly feeling like, okay, I have to embrace my role now even if my role is maybe a little bit different than it was at times during the regular season. And he did not perhaps, I don't want to say he didn't handle it well, like mentally, I'm just saying like that did not translate to success on the court, at least on offense is, I don't know if any of that convoluted nonsense made sense, but do you get where I'm trying to go here? Yeah, I do. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a waist-slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. I have, I have a somewhat related question for you. Sure. If I had pulled you for this story, the question that I asked everybody is, what do you think would be a fair extension number for Emmanuel quickly? Uh, what do you think would be fair? I wasn't asking them... What do you think he'll get to be clear? It wasn't a prediction on what he'll get. Uh, it was a, what do you think is a fair number for him? If, if you were to negotiate and meet in the middle of what you want and what you think he wants, where do you think he would get? If I were to ask you that, what's your answer? So if you had asked me before the postseason, I would have said, I think without question, I would have said, which it, I, I feel crazy saying this now, but I think I would have said four for a hundred, given the player option on the fourth year, and give him some incentives that could get it up to like reachable incentives, which I know was also part of your story, which some guys tossed a, a, a few people who you talked to tossed out, like give him the opportunity to bump it up another 10 or 12 million. If he meets more like starter level stuff, I, I think I would have said, yeah, bring it up to 110. 
after watching the postseason performance, and I'm not putting it all on him, but also just remembering, oh, yeah, that's right. That's how this team views him, ultimately, in the pecking order. I think it would be more like four for 80. Fourth year, still give him the fourth year player option if he wants it with like reasonable incentives to bump it up to 90. I think that's where I'd be at, where I would have been at. I think that makes sense. I, I think I, I, I think I would have been on the higher end of the scale, to be honest. Um, th- first of all, the Knicks have a very clean cap sheet for all the talk of how punitive this luxury tax is going to be. And it will be, uh, you have to be in the luxury tax for the luxury tax to affect you. Yes. Quickly's extension. If he were to sign one, wouldn't start until 2024, 25 that season. They'll have all five guys who were starters this season under contract, as well as who am I forgetting? Uh, assuming, assuming Josh Rock comes back, which he Josh will. Hart. All five starters under contract. Isaiah Hartenstein quickly, and then you want. I don't know if you want to throw like Deuce. Well, Hartenstein, Hartenstein won't be under contract. He's expiring. Oh wait, you're talking. Sorry, you're talking about the year his extension the year number kicks that. in. Yeah, so twenty four, um, twenty five. That's it. Twenty four, twenty five. Those six yes. guys, and then like you know, Jericho Sims technically has non guarantee, but we won't count it because you're not yeah, like no, going into it. the tax for Jericho Sims. So it's, it's the five starters are quickly. It's the five, well, the five starters, and and if you bring back Hart, Josh Hart, let's and say quickly and Hart, yeah, they're, sorry. they're probably bringing back Hart, right? Let's say you bring back Hart at eighteen million. Let's say he makes eighteen million in twenty four, twenty five. I might be off by a little bit. Who knows? But that sounds like an okay number for Josh Hart. Fair. Yes, but I want to get back to that because I think the Hart conversation has everything to do with the quickly conversation. But let's keep hundred percent, hundred percent. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, they bring back Josh Hart for eighteen million. That that means they're going to have those six guys, five of whom were starters on a team that won a playoff round. Uh, they're going to have those six guys under contract for one hundred and eighteen million dollars in twenty twenty four twenty five. Yes. When I first did this exercise and I added it up, I was like, "That's going to be tough," and because I look at these numbers all the time, as do I. I. You know, study I know. them hard, and I try to understand these concepts a, a lot, and. Even given all of that, it's really difficult to get these rising salaries into your head and make you realize actually what a big salary is relative to the rest of the league and what one isn't. And 118 million is like $25 million under the projected salary cap for that year, let alone luxury tax. It's about $55 million below the luxury tax. The Knicks could conceivably pay quickly 20 some odd million dollars and still be right around the salary cap and still have about 30 million ish to go before they got to that vaunted first apron, let alone second. Uh, So, so that is, that's a lot of flexibility. It's a very clean cap sheet. Derek Rose will be off the books by then, even if they pick up the team option, Fournier will be off the books by then. Like that's a, that's a clean cap sheet, with no bad contracts. You can't discuss Quickly's contract without discussing Obi Toppin's contract. You can't really discuss I, his extension without discussing with, what, what team's Hart's, giving like him that, that contract. Obi's, yes. <laughs> well, he's extension eligible too. I mean, oh, so Obi, like, is he? I, I didn't really. You kind of have to decide. You know, you have to look farther into this and look in twenty twenty five twenty six. 
Jalen Brunson, you might be having to bring back on a max. So this is where I want. Can we go there? Because that's that's already where my and you know, I don't know what the number is in my mind. And if I've done the math, it's not exactly 200. But if I've if I've if I well, I've actually been leaning on on your reporting along with others. Is the second apron always going to be 17 above the the tax number? 17 and a half. Yeah. Okay, great. So then if my math is correct, the second apron, not a year from now, but two years from now, will be somewhere around 200 or whereabouts, maybe a little bit less. That's what I'm thinking of because you were just about to say it. I To me, there's a, there's a two-year time limit on the Knicks maneuvering, let's say. Because you know Jalen Brunson... I don't know if he thought he was doing the right thing by them once. He ain't doing it again. Um, he's getting the max in two years. And if Julius Randle is still here, which that's a whole other conversation, but like, I, I would presume if he doesn't get the max in two years, he's getting pretty close to the max because this is what all NBA players get. And he'll be 30 years old, you know? So it's like, all right, well, there's, you know, almost a hundred million dollars or 90 plus million dollars. Now, all of a sudden for your two players that, you've had the convenience of costing you about half that for the last several years. So if you don't like this, I love this team. This team is great. This team is not a championship contender. So I think you have two years to make your appropriate moves and does signing quickly to whatever the number ones up being make it easier. And you mentioned this in your story. Does it make it easier to make those moves or does it make it more difficult to make those moves? Moves, and I guess there's a little bit of a question of when you're making the move because you brought up the the base year compensation issues, the whole thing. So I think it's a little bit more complicated than just looking out for the next 12 months. That's the only pushback that I want to give you. That's totally fair. Uh, my pushback to your pushback would be if you sign Emmanuel quickly to a four year, hundred million dollar contract. And by the way, you know, what was, you know, what was honestly my biggest surprise with all this. And maybe it's because everybody's mind is jumbled and they're responding to me quickly. Oh, I know. I know where you're going with this. I was so surprised. So many people said four years, so many people said four years. And, and I I don't think he wants five years. See, if I were him, I would want five years. Oh, see, I, I think he's, if I was him, I, and I was re-signing with the Knicks, I would run a fourth year player option. That's, and but well, that's see, five this, years. What? That oh, a player option no, a fourth, on the fourth a, year, a four-year contract with a player option on the fourth year, and that's really. I mean, we're talking around the elephant in the room, which is what is Emmanuel quickly if he has a much bigger role that he's never going to get here on this team, and what is what do other teams think he could be in that role, and what does he think he could be in that role? But anyway, I, I finish your point. Yes, my point was a year for. If you extend quickly now, it's a lot more difficult to trade them. There are all these rules about yes. outgoing salary and incoming salary and salary. In the next year, it's very complicated. Yes. Yeah, because if you sign him now, the extension doesn't start till the 2024-25 season. So if you're going to try to trade him before the start of the 24-25 season, then it's really, really difficult. It's not possible. It's difficult. Same exact thing that happened with RJ this year. Yes. Uh, if, however, once you once that extension starts. If you feel like, oh no, we're we're in a position to where now we brought on this huge salary and quickly is still here and Brunson is gonna have to re-sign for a max next year, you can trade him then. Like I've I've 
I've always been a big believer in wanting to string along the asset. Uh, more often than not, that works out. Now, one thing that I need to do and the entire MBA needs to do is anyone who had that philosophy previously now needs to go back and think, okay, this string along the asset in the previous cap environment. Yes. When stuff wasn't so dismantling if you had a slightly large contract. Because I predict that one of the things that's going to happen with this new CBA is where it's gonna it's gonna wreck the middle class for a number of reasons. Thank you. I, I think I don't know. I don't I, I don't Can we really just stay on this point for a second? Because yeah, sure. this is the most fascinating part to me. Once upon a time, six months ago, before this new CBA came into effect, there would I would have been like, if you like tell me the ideal player or the the picture of a player that you have in your mind when it comes to okay, maybe the salary is not great, but you know what? I'm always going to be able to find a home for him because he shoots, he defends, he tries hard, he's smart as shit, he makes your team better in myriad ways when he's on the court, even if he's not having a great night on offense. The the player that comes into my mind is Emmanuel Quickly. Now, under with these with this new CBA, I'm like, okay, so what do we know about Emmanuel quickly? What do we know he could be? Well, we know he could be a great six man. Okay. And we know he could be a spot starter and produce really, really well in that role. Okay. Is he ever going to be the top three option on a team that is trying to win it all? Okay. Maybe I don't know that. All right. Well, if he's not one of those things and all of a sudden any team that's actually competing those things those top, that top 3 is going to cost them 140 130 I, you know or whereabouts then suddenly when you're stacking that additional 25 on and the number and you can't go above what let's say 200 well then all of a sudden hmm how much do I really want that 25? Well, I want it, but I'm not really desperate for it. Okay, I'll take it. But what am I really giving you? And these are the conversations that I have in my head when I think about what this contract is actually going to be worth. So I, I don't know. It's true. And the problem is these mistakes, a bad deal is now going to compile because oh, you're fucked. If you go She's starting next season, starting this upcoming season, if you're above the first apron, not even the second, yeah. You can only match up to 110% on salaries, which is wild. And currently it's 125, yeah. but you can only match up to 110. So it's going to be real hard to make a trade where you take in more money. Uh, and then starting the season after that, you can only match up to a hundred, which means you can only trade a player for someone making the identical amount of money or less. It's going to be really hard to make trades. And if you're trying to make a trade with another team, that's also over the first apron, it's essentially impossible. Like, if you're trying to make a trade with another team that's above the first apron, yeah. you can only trade two salaries that are identical down to the cent. You you detailed this brilliantly in your your previous piece, uh, which was also very good, by the way. Yeah, it's it's so it's not just doesn't potentially just screw you if you don't have that flexibility. You also can't really get out of these mistakes nearly as easily either. Um, so I'm with you. I, I will read something to you that I did not include in my initial draft. And oh, now I'm okay. thinking with this conversation, I should go back and, and revise this and, and put this in. This is what I'm here for. I'm here to spur thinking on, on I, your behalf. There were, there were a few people who I asked if they want to participate and they said, no, quite honestly, I don't know why like anyone who's like high up in a front office does this solid for me because if <laughs> You're I, a nice guy. 
I, I don't know if I, if I were your friend cats, if I were like running a team and somebody hit me up and we're like, be like hey, fuck off. I, I wouldn't even say fuck off. I would just be like, just strategically. I'd be like, I can't let it get out there. What I uh, think of this player down to the scent, you know, yeah, like okay. I can't let one person know about it, even though it's totally anonymous. Like I, I can't let this person know about it. Like Fred, did, Le- did Leon like Rose tell you to buzz off? I'm sorry about that. that ha- <laughs> I'm sorry that that happened to you. Well, so I did, I did hit up one person. Um, and, and I asked, uh, you know, the same question that I asked everybody. It was a, it was a big, big time copy and paste text session. Big time. And I, uh, and I asked what, what he thought would be fair for, for OB and for, for quickly. Cause I, I'm going to have an OB piece that'll come out next week. And I'm excited for that. I might, I might involve some of this poll data for OB as well. Uh, and this person said minimums. And I said, uh, LMAO what? And the person responded, LOL. Have you read the new CBA? And really? I, and I just like took that response as like not an actual, like like I can't include that. In yeah, no, no, you can't. You know, like that's not a serious response. So I was like, LOL, I get it. Uh, but maybe I shouldn't include that in the data. And include that in the data, and I should just like include that exchange because it kind of shows where a lot of people's heads are at in terms of these these middling size salaries that we talk about and why. Maybe these comps that we're talking about with Jordan Poole or with Tyler Hero or with Simons or with Barrett or with you know Malcolm Brogdon and one six man of the year and is going to make like twenty one next year or or a lot of these other guys you know we mentioned Sexton we mentioned um, you know I have I have a Bogdan Bogdanovich reference in the story he signed four years sixty eight in a much different cap environment and with with, with the Hawks a few years ago like you wonder a lot of these. What does he get? Because they might look to move some money this summer because of of said impending CBA. That's what like. There's going to be so many little data points that we're going to be able to glean from this summer. Like if they decide to move him, what are they getting back? Is that a good? Is that still like a good deal? Like he's a great. Play, he's a really good player. But I I don't know. Well, he's also. I think he's expiring this year too. So, so then maybe it's a bit of it. But but really- again, if you're trading for him, you're trading for him essentially to extend him and keep him on your right. team for yeah. But I'll tell you this much. I mean, like expiring contracts are making a comeback. I, like that's that's going to be a thing. Like I, I, if I'm the Knicks, two firsts I'm really for forty eight, baby. It's, it's good yeah, I'm really considering picking up the Derrick Rose team option. Like, like it's this weird thing where yeah. middling contracts for three or four years they better be good deals for you for them to work, or else they're really going to hurt you. Middling contracts for one year. This year specifically might actually help because there are going to be teams. This CBA is basically being phased in. So all these very punitive, you know, it's really interesting. I feel like everybody picks up on, on word choices around to describe certain things in the NBA. And we just take these, these random words that we don't use nearly as commonly in life. And we just place them to things. So I have read, said, and written the word punitive so many more times in the last month to describe the CBA. It's not a part of your daily... That I haven't, and I've used it or seen it in any other portion of my life. You know what's another one? I've never heard anything other than the NBA buyout market referred to as robust, but constantly every year, it's a robust buyout market. It's not so a robust I, buyout market. I think I take the NBA words like punitive and robust, and I then parlay them into other conversations that I have, so they become part of my. Net. So it's, for me, it's not abnormal at all. <laughs> That's true. Uh, 
Anyway, but there are a lot of teams I think this summer who are going to be, you know, a lot of these these punitive measures from the new CBA are basically being phased in. They're not all coming in one clean yeah. swoop as soon as July comes this year. They're being phased in over the next couple of years. And before the phase in is completed, I think there are going to be a lot of teams like say Milwaukee, really high salary, Golden State, really high payroll, Clippers, really high payroll. Like I think those teams are going to be looking for ways to get out of money, not necessarily for 23, 24, but for 24, 25. That's and yes. in that sense, a contract that expires in the summer of 2024 is gonna have. I think we can call it unique value compared to years of the past. Uh, I think, I think it's really going to be a thing. So, so if somebody's trying to get out of a, a three-year, forty-five million dollar contract because they don't any longer think it's worthwhile, Derek Rose might help you. If someone's trying to get out of a really big contract over a number of years, the ability to combine Rose and Fournier, who you could send out thirty sure. odd yeah. million in expiring money and bring back more than forty, like. That might well, be a real asset for the Knicks. We're we're getting we're veering on something that I want to ask you about. Um, someone that I want to ask you about who plays for a team that you used to cover. But uh, let's. I want to just close the loop on quickly. There is a reason why this entire summer I have thought it just not saying I want the Knicks to trade him. I'm not saying the Knicks should trade him. I'm not saying someone will trade for him. I just. In my mind, it makes more sense for the team that commits what I think Quickly's representatives will will accept at this point, at this juncture, which I, for what just my two cents, I think it'll be a little bit on the higher end. Like you said, you thought it'd be higher, higher end for your proposal. I think that's what they want. That's what they're looking for. If I'm the team that's giving them that money, I at the very least know that I'm going to be able to give this player a chance to make this contract look silly in the way that the Brunson contract now looks silly for the Knicks. Um, that chance is, I don't believe that that chance is ever going to come in New York, which is why I keep looking at him and, and thinking about, okay, whatever the Knicks want to do this summer is does quickly get, you know, is he a part of that action? That's, that's all. I think that's fair. Uh, can I add one thing, please? I think when people talk about rookie extensions, and and maybe we've done this a little bit. They tend to talk about it as neither or. Oh, you you trade him slash lose him, or you sign him yeah. to the extension. Yeah. There's another option, and it's not as popular nowadays because it seems like players take it a lot more personally when you don't extend them now than they used to. Yeah, but you could just wait. It's not like he's an unrestricted free agent next year. He's restricted, and and quite honestly, if I'm them. If I'm the Knicks and I'm waiting out a star trade, like that's flexibility is not just your cap sheet. Flexibility is your is your ability to make a big change or a small change in as many possible ways as you can think of. And if you extend quickly, because he'll be so much more difficult to trade, the finances are so much more difficult to make work in the 23-24 season. Yeah. If you extend him, it becomes difficult. Now, the deadline to extend him is is the end of this offseason, right? You can't extend him once the season begins. It's like a, a it's literally like a, yeah, on it's the, the last eve of day, the season. Yeah, it's the last day of the of the offseason, uh, and, and then you can't extend him once the season begins. So, 
which a lot, sometimes guys go like it, it comes down to the wire for some guys. Yeah. Like Brandon Clark signed on the last day. I mean, look, they waited one. on RJ last year because they were waiting on all the Donovan Mitchell stuff. Now, if, if I'm the Knicks, as much as I think Emmanuel quickly is a really good player, like a really good player. Yeah. Like I would have, I didn't have a vote this year. I would have voted for him for six man of the year. Yeah. I thought he had, I thought he had a great year. And I think he's a really good player. And I think you can tell from all of my coverage of him that I think he's a really good player. As much yeah. as I think he's a really good player, their plan all this time has been make a move for a big time star to bring in. They've got Brunson already. He is that guy. They've got the, the core of hard playing guys, the defensive culture. They are a legitimately good team. And I just think, I just think you're really going to regret it. If the t- if if some huge name becomes available, someone who's perfect for you and who's gettable, and you can't make the money work because they want a manual quickly and the money is just all messed up, and you either don't end up getting that guy, or you end up having to lose like an extra first round pick or two extra first round picks or or whatever, like. You end up having to make, I guess it's not a great example because I'd rather have manual quickly than a first round pick, but you know, you end up having to make a deal that is worse, definitively worse, or just not able to make a deal at all because somebody can offer something better because they really wanted a manual quickly and they weren't able to make the finances work. Um, I've seen so many people say, well, who's the star? Who's the star that's going to become available? There's no star. And here's my response to that. Anybody who pretends to know which star is the next star, I don't care if you are the most, I don't care if you're Woj, I don't care if you're, you're Joe Schmo sitting on his couch in the middle of Iowa. My, my name is, I was about to say, my name is Jonathan, Fred, I'm not, not Joe. <laughs> like, I don't care if you're Woj, I don't care, I don't care if you are Joel Embiid himself, <laughs> I don't care. Anyone who pretends to know what is going to happen with the availability of stars over the next six months of the league? And by the way, something could pop up during the regular season is just bullshitting you. Like, we don't know. We just, we just don't know. Like this time last year, we didn't know about Kevin Durant and we didn't know about Kyrie and, and maybe we had an inkling the jazz were going to blow it up, but we didn't know it was going to go down the way that it did. You know, like we, so much of this kind of stuff, we just the Kevin Durant trade request just shocked shocked the league. I know. And if that can happen with Kevin Durant, it can happen with anyone. Uh, the Harden trade shocked the league. I mean, there were murmurs. Don't get me wrong. There were murmurs mm-hmm. that James Harden wanted out and all that kind of stuff. But when the murmurs started, that shocked the league. Like <laughs> this kind of stuff. The Murray trade even from yeah. uh, San Antonio to Atlanta. I know he's not that level of star, but you know, for sure it can seemingly come out of nowhere. So that is the reason to have flexibility. If, if you knew what was going to happen, if you knew what star players were becoming available, you wouldn't need the flexibility. You could just build towards that one star. The whole reason the Knicks have this plan, the whole reason why they prioritize flexibility and they've done a pretty damn good job at it, by the way, excellent job is, is even though, I mean, look, I was initially skeptical. I, I was, I was quite critical actually. And, and I was, I was not correct. Like 
they have done a very good job of this and and them identifying brunson as as a real guy is was a huge part of it uh, it was uh, you know that was the best signing in the nba in years but you need that flexibility and i just kind of would be i totally believe in stringing along the asset and all that kind of stuff but i just i'm just i know i know you can screw yourself when you wait too quickly comes out has averages 20 to a game takes a massive yeah. leap like it, you're going to have to pay him more, but what would have to happen for that? So basically you're saying Jalen Brunson gets injured because there's no, you know, there's no other world where that's, ha- I mean, I never say never, but it's unlikely that it happens here. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unlikely, but how often did he just step into a starting role and go oh, off? You know? he was tw- like, I mean, I brought up the scoring average before for Sexton. You want to bring up the scoring average for Harry. You want to bring up the scoring average pool. RJ when quickly ran with the starters, the average, uh, maybe not exactly 20, but it was right mm-hmm. at 20 points a game. And it was efficient yeah. 20 a game. And you know what? If if the worst case scenario is that I have to pay Emmanuel quickly what he's worth and it's more than I could have gotten him before, oh. but it turns out he's awesome, Yep. then whatever. Like that's that's an okay worst case scenario. Uh to me, to me, the the real worst case scenario is you miss out on that chance to take that leap. And I don't know. I just, I, there are very reasonable arguments on the other side, but I just really believe the Knicks are good. They've got two more years of Brunson on this ridiculously cheap team friendly contract. And Randall. Like, yeah. You got he's Randall not as valuable here. as Brunson, but he's, he's very, you know, he's good. Right. You got RJ, you got RJ or you got um quickly still on one more year of a rookie deal. Like, you are in a position to go get someone. That doesn't mean go give up the house for Carl Anthony Towns. That doesn't mean that. But it means that when the Kevin Durant thing happens with someone who's not Kevin Durant, you can you can pounce. I think that's the signaling the Knicks have given other teams, by the way. That like that what? When when I mean this is just me talking to people around the league and kind of what they're signaling to other teams, but like they're ready to pounce. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Julius Randle's All-NBA season was more than meets the eye. In scoring over 1,900 points this season, Randle moved into 20th place on the franchise's all-time scoring list. He also averaged just over 25 points a night, becoming the seventh Nick ever to do so. Finally, he became just the 57th player ever to top 57 points. How's that for some symmetry? Yes, we're disappointed by his playoff performance, but even so, this season from Julius Randle gave us more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? 
Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. I couldn't tell you names on who the right guy is. Uh, you know, we can have our own opinions on that. Let like, me. I personally throw some names at you. Him. Yeah, let's throw names. You, you just brought up one name that I'm interested in. It's Carl Anthony Towns. And I've not been a Towns guy. I've been. Let me rephrase that. I've become less and less of a Towns guy as the years have gone on um, to the point where how this season went down for him. I'm like, please, God, I want no part of this player. Um, we just spent a lot of time talking about the new CBA. He has a was it fifty seven million dollar player option? I think on the last year of his of his supermax that he signed, it's absurd money. And I think he's the the best example of this. Although I think like I I, I want to ask you about Bradley Beal also, but I I want to focus on Towns for a second because like once upon a time you could have argued that this player was the most valuable asset in the NBA. It was a long while ago. It was like six years ago, but there was a time. Um, and now he's very much not. But are we? Do you think that we are at the point with this new CBA? Because like you just phrased it very clearly, you're like, I'm not saying go out and get. I mean, get Carlton Downs. Translation is like that would be a bad move, almost regardless of what you had to give up or didn't have to give up. So like, do you do you think like these contracts that are that have been signed by players who are not do not profile as like, forget about the best guy on a title team, but like you're just not going to win if you're paying this guy so much money. Like, what do you think the value of, and he's the best example, but there are other examples. Like, what do you think the value of, of, of that, of that deal is in this landscape? Can I, can I just offer a correction? Please. You said $57 million player option. Is it not 57? It's 62, isn't it? Maybe 57 was the, the year before the second last year. I think deal. 58, 58 is the last year guaranteed. Guaranteed. And then it's okay. In 2627. And then 62 after that. I mean, look, we kind of messed up as the media. We're Take like, the blame, Fred. It's your fault. It's the media. It's the media's fault. It's the damn media. Always. I, and I am a medium. And we kind of messed up. I feel like after the 20, you know what? I'm not taking the blame because I was in college when this happened. So everyone else, all my, I don't even know what you're talking friends, about. I can't wait to see where you go with this. Yeah. 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 This is, this is a pet peeve in the 2011 lockout. Okay. After that, or, or honestly, no, I take that back. 2016 when I was a part of the media. So it is my fault. Okay. 2016 cap spike. Yeah. Cap jumps from 67 to 90 in one year. And there's this very niche movement, niche movement, niche, niche, niche. whatever it is, like niche. niche movement that we should just discuss MBA salaries as just a percentage of the cap and not the dollars anymore because it'll help people contextualize it better. And, and, there was general pushback on that on like, how the hell is someone going to understand like 8% of the salary cap and put that into context? Like you need a knowledge of the salary cap in order to do that. Part of me is just like, I don't know. 
Like maybe, maybe we should have found a way to do that as the media, because so we're talking about a $62 million player option, right? Yeah. That sounds insane because that is more than like wall street CEOs were making at the most crooked times of wall street. Like that, that sounds outrageous. Um, and, and yet like it's a 35% max. Yeah. And come the end of that contract, given what the raises are, given the fact that the cap is probably going to be rising 10% a year for a long time, and that max raises are 8%, once a max contract starts, it's going to be the highest percentage of the cap that it could possibly be during the whole duration of the contract. It's going to get a little more team-friendly every year because you're going to have 8% raises with a 10% raised cap. And probably. Uh, and and so that $62 million is probably going to be less than whatever a starting max deal is that season on a 35% max. Uh, So like we say 62 and we're like, holy crap, because we contextualize it against today's cap when the reality is that's like five years away and that cap is going to be wild. So that has absolutely nothing to do with the question that you asked me. Well, no, but (laughs) no, but it it doesn't. It doesn't because I think actually the player that that conversation for me at least, and maybe I think a little bit more highly of this player than some other people. Though I have a feeling you think more uh, pretty highly of this player too. I think the the player that that preamble should go ahead of, I think is probably more Bradley Beal, because Carlton Towns is he's well, let's just say he hasn't he hasn't always been. You know, a, a a player who's whose talents have led to winning. Not that Bradley Beal's done a whole lot of winning in Washington, but there seems to be more of a unified belief around the league that like Bradley Beal's is good. Like when he's on the floor and he's healthy, like he's he's good. He's what you want in the league today. Right mentality, like all those things. It, it, you know, Bradley. Uh, I assume as, as well as any media member. What are your thoughts on Beal's contract? And the feasibility of going to get him and the wisdom of going to get him. Yeah. So first of all, one one more Towns thing. Sure. Yeah. We can go back everyone to Towns loves, if you want. Yeah. Everyone loves to bring up Towns. And the reason why everybody loves to bring up Towns is because he's CAA and his agent was Leon Rose. And, you know, it's a prerequisite in order to get in with the Knicks. You want to resign with the Knicks? Just go to CAA and you're good. Uh, and so everybody does that. But what we all leave out in this whole thing is that he played for Tibbs and it didn't go so great. It wasn't amazing. It was not amazing. People have had better relationships. They were not Ross and Rachel. It was maybe during a break. (laughs) That's what, that's what, that's what one of them, if they trade for him during the press, well, they won't have a press conference, but during the fan engagement session or whatever bullshit they'll do, one of them should say we were on a break. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They were, it wasn't the best. And I know they say they've kind of made their amends and they're on good terms, but I find that it's, it's really easy to be on good terms with coaches who you're no longer playing for or teammates who you're no longer playing with. Um, so I, I just, I think that Doesn't was sound like you think towns is happening. It was just a complicated relationship and look, Tibbs is the coach and he doesn't have an official front office title. But well, he has say in decision making. We know that, and and it's it's sometimes hard to say put a percentage on how much. They have so many voices in their front office, and and you kind of see different people doing different things, and 
and and different people have different people's ears at different points and you know it 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 varies it's hard to say but i can definitively say that like tibbs has a voice like a deep voice in the room Both uh, literally I, and literally and <laughs> and figuratively like he is involved in all this stuff um and with something as big as that um you know th- that's not now look sometimes they make a move Tibbs doesn't want he didn't want I the camera to steal. He didn't want the camera to steal. We we all saw what happened when they make a movie he didn't want. Uh, and so, you know, I look, I'm not reporting that Tibbs doesn't want, well, knock my computer. I'm not reporting that Tibbs doesn't want Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not reporting that. I'm just saying, like, we all are so quick to connect the CAA dots, but there are yeah. other dots that need to be connected to if we're doing, like, you know, conspiracy sort of stuff. Bradley Beal. Um, I understood why there would be a yearning for Beal. Like I understood why you could justify Beal more before this current CBA. Okay. Like when I thought that the CBA was going to be in a more similar footing to what it was, you know, the last however many years to the current CBA. Sure. Because Beal's contract is so expensive. Like the Knicks are, while they have a very clean cap sheet, they're going to be an over the cap team for the next few years. Uh, Beal's contract runs through 2027. It's ridiculously expensive. It's a super max. He's not a super max caliber guy. You know, in a really good year, he's he's snuck onto all NBA third team. And and that's kind of the guy. He's a great scorer, uh, underrated passer, in my opinion. But he's, but he's, you know, he's had injury problems in the last four years or so. Uh, he's going to be thirty. Like it's a very expensive contract. And I figured you also have, by the way, the no trade clause. Like that will carry over to you. He's the only player in the NBA with no trade clause. I figured previously, like in the current collective bargaining agreement environment, you could probably get him for very little if he were to say, I want to go to the Knicks and only the Knicks. Because the Wizards will will probably, in that scenario, just kind of like want to accept. And this is accepting a reality where the Wizards want to trade Beal, obviously, and Beal wants to go to the Knicks. Because if Beal doesn't want to go to the Knicks, guess what? The Knicks aren't Uh, getting him. Uh, But I, you know, it's the Knicks have all the leverage in that scenario. He wants to come here. You guys want to start over. You can't start over with him there. We'll give you a pick. We and the Knicks own the Wizards pick too, so it makes things real clean. We'll give you back your pick. You can start over with your own pick. We'll match salaries with with a Rose picked up team option and Fournier, and maybe one other guy will get it close. We'll throw in a young guy, and you'll take that. You'll take your pick back. Maybe we'll throw in one more pick, and people will look at that and be like, "That is a terrible return for Bradley Beal when they could have traded him for the world four years ago." Uh, and that's that what I'm getting happens. at. That's what you think could happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm. This is all conjecture. Conjecture. You're conjecture. not reporting this. Just like we're shooting the shit. But and you, I don't know. I don't you, know how that you. Far, yeah. If, well, if that I was just, the sort of return. If we're operating in the reality, in the reality, you know, the deal wants yeah. out. The Wizards want to trade him. You know, the Wizards have a totally new front office. I I, I don't know what philosophy they're going to take. I don't know what their process is going to be. Uh. So, so this is once you set down the parameters of like the Wizards want to trade Beal, Beal wants to go to the Knicks. Really, where if Beal wants out and he gives them one team, 
and the Wizards want to trade him, whoever that one team is, has the the Wizards nuts in a vice. Do you do you think it will get out that he only wants the one team, or do you think he would like do the Wizards a solid and keep it in house? That you have any idea? I have, no, I have no idea. That's too many steps. I mean, I think he would keep everything in house as much as he could. Um, okay, but but. I don't know. That's okay. too many hypotheticals into the future. Like he, it's a lot. Yeah. Look, there have been about a million times over the last half decade that Brad has considered asking out. Like, it's he's considered it so many times, and he's never done it. And I'm not predicting him to do it. So okay. if I'm not predicting him to, now they they might the new front office might come to him and be like, "Hey, this would be good for you." Like, would you be down? Like, we're going to a rebuild. You probably don't want that. Like, where do you want to go? And maybe he'll respond to that. But I just, I'm not predicting that he goes to the Wizards and says, I want out. I want out. And then plays hardball. And it's like, it's only this team. Like, I just, I do not envision, like, the last thing I would expect would be like an Anthony Davis, New Orleans situation. Oh, yeah. I would, he's not that type yeah yeah i would never i would never expect that um given just kind of where his um his head has always been with that kind of stuff so so i would imagine there would be some flexibility in that sense um but you know he he got the no trade clause for a reason there are places he doesn't want to go uh and he can he can direct that no trade clause however he wants like this is not a normal trading a star situation if it were to arise. So that's why I, I kind of thought Beal would be good because I figured you could go out. If Beal wanted to come to the Knicks, you could potentially go out, get Beal, and still have enough left over to go trade for another like super duper. So like you could still go out and get the the first team all NBA guy. Yeah. And then you have Beal and you have Brunson, you have your first team all NBA guy and whatever you have left. Um pretty, and pretty, pretty good team. That's pretty good. Even though I think Beal and Brunson, you might run into some defensive problems. Uh, Do you think Bill, Beal's, Beal used to be a good defender or decent defender? Yeah, he did used to be a decent defender. Yeah. I, Do you I think just, he still has that in him? No. I think, I think people, I think some people, a very, very, very small amount of people just absolutely thrive in every single condition of their reality, no matter what the reality is. And a very, very small percentage of people just struggle like hell in every condition of their reality, no matter what their reality is. I think the vast majority of people, at least parts of them are affected by their environment. And Brad used to be a solid, reliable defender. When the Wizards were one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals in 2017, he was a solid, reliable defender. And then Wizards culture took over. It's not heat culture. And no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not heat culture. And Wizards culture took over and they were rebuilding. And then they were trying for the eight seed and trying for the actually they weren't really rebuilding. They had one year reset. And then they were trying for the eight seed. They're trying for the eight seed. They're trying for the eight seed. They weren't getting there. It was this demotivating, sometimes depressing venture. And I think a lot of people are products of that environment. That's uh, very well said. And the question is, 
and this is for a philosopher far more experienced and wise than I. The question is, is someone, how much can someone change their, how much can somebody change their habits once they've been removed from that environment, even after they were in that environment for a decently long time? I don't know the answer to that question. Will he come back onto a good team and just go back to the defender that he was in 2017? Will the injuries he's had the last few years actually hamper him? Will he have just built up these habits over the last five years that are just like, they're just who he is now? No idea. No idea. He's a hardworking guy. He's a hard worker. Uh, But it seems like it's just like there's a difference between habits and decision making. And, you know, that's. It's not heat culture. It's not John. <laughs> that should be the title of the spot. <laughs> it's not heat culture. Um, I've kept you on for too long. Uh, before I let you go, any any rogue random thoughts? Something we talked other than like quickly. Obviously, uh, you got the Obi story coming out. We'll, we'll I'll hit you up on that after it comes out, um, so we can talk about that a little bit. Anything else you're keeping an eye on? You're you're interested in your your name on another team that you're like curious about like anything you know league wide something that you're what is what is cool, Fred Katz wondering about? I got some and, notes. Let's see what I got here. Dig, dig away at those notes. I'm I, I, I'm sure your notebook is chock full of. I mean, forget wisdom. I mean, just. So I'm um. Okay, this is something that you've discussed a decent amount. I think it's a really interesting topic. Uh. The Knicks know they need more shooting. Oh, do they have uh, entered that? Well, I mean, look, they could be in denial about it. They could be like, could. We, don't, we don't need it. We were third in offense during the regular season. Like, it just didn't work against the Heat. They could be saying that. Okay. The, Knicks, the Knicks know they need more shooting. And that probably means a restructuring of their team. Uh, that yes. probably means a, a change in the actual DNA, not just like swapping in another three and D shooter, you know, for 20 minutes, like it probably needs a real change in the DNA. And from what I've heard, and this is still very early and these are all preliminary discussions and things change real quick in the NBA, but in the preliminary discussions they've had with other teams, they've been pretty resistant to talking to anything with Mitchell Robinson. They've been, they've been telling teams that, that, um, you know, how impressive he was during the Cavs series was really stood out to them. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that they've been now, now look with this kind of stuff could just be a negotiation strategy too. Uh, but, but I don't think it is, I don't read it that way. Uh, I think they really believe that. And so I wonder, you know, that leaves two starters who aren't shooters, RJ and, and Julius. And I wonder if there really is resistance on trading Mitchell Robinson because of how important he is defensively, because of how important he is as a rebounder on both ends. I, I wonder what that means for RJ and or for Julius uh, and just for the general structure of the team, because the biggest possible overhaul they could have realistically is not trading Mitch. It's trading RJ or Julius. Yes. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're definitely going to do it. This is, look, if there's a criticism of the front office, it's that they're actually too patient, right? Like they, they, have, they have not jumped the gun on a star. 
They waited out Donovan Mitchell and they were like, yeah, they have, they have not jumped the gun and offered too much for Zach Levine. Like they, they didn't see, you know, Randall's value just plummet during that season two years ago and say, we just got to get off of this guy. They, they, they were patient with him. They rehabbed his value. They were patient with RJ throughout his struggles all year. And it paid off during the playoffs. Like this, this organization for the most part has been very patient. I don't see them just being like, Oh, we got to do this to fix it. And we got to be better tomorrow. So let's just flip somebody and make a rash move. But I'm monitoring those two guys. I am because RJ and Randall. Yeah. And Mitch too. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm monitoring those guys and I'm, I'm just trying to see what, what could potentially happen with them. Cause I think there's something there. I'm also very intrigued with OB because it is time to make a decision on his role. And, uh, you know, I've asked around about his value around the league and, and it really sounds like the best way, if you're going to trade him really sounds like the best way you can make out for him is by like trading him for another player. Um, I don't think you're going to get like a ton of draft capital for him or something like that. Like, I think, I think the best way you're going to do it is like, okay, we've got too many wings and we have this one wing who plays 15 minutes a game and we could use an extra big. Why don't we do OB for the wing? You know, something like that. I, I think that might be the ideal sort of OB trade as opposed to, or, or maybe Obi's just part of a bigger package for somebody, but those are the guys. Million I'm really dollars, not, not nothing. Yeah. Those are the guys I'm really, really monitoring. And Obi's extension talks are going to be interesting too. A lot of variables in that one. I would be floored. I don't know if there's a thing that would shock me more than the Knicks and Obi Toppin agreeing to an extension before next season. Well, I shouldn't say that. Like, I, I suppose there are circumstances which could unfold throughout the summer, which it, it gets to the eve of, you know, the next season. And, and But like, I don't know. It's, it's July 15th. And yeah, no, he's not signing then. Yeah. You like, know, that's not I, I brought up, I brought up Brandon Clark earlier. And when I, when I've been talking to people around the league, like, what do you see as Nobi extension? A lot of people brought up Brandon Clark. I don't think Clark, I, I think Clark is probably a better player. I Nobi. think I would agree with that. Um, and he only got, he only got four for 50. He got four for 52. That was it. Yeah. But it's a similar sort of deal of like third big man. That's what he's going to kind of I mean, get paid. The problem is Obi is treated like a fourth big man. Obi, and at some point, you know, yeah. you can't pay, you can't pay your role players a million dollars a minute. OB stars um, million dollars a minute. I think it's it's actually it's funny enough. I think it's similar to the quickly discussion, which I I I could see some team out there being like, what would he be if he had thirty minutes a night and you know play you know I, I've always I've always said it, it it like that's why the Indiana thing made oh, made a lot of sense to me because like he should be playing alongside a guy like Miles Turner and with a point guard by the way like Tyrese Halliburton, big tall point guard could throw a lob. Um, Speaking of Indiana, let, let, let's end here. I, you told me the bitch thing earlier today, and I guess I was I was a little taken aback because more and more I think about this landscape. We just talked about Cat and Beal, and like you know, I know you said you never know the star might come on the market. If the Knicks maintain their level of patience that they have, which you just talked about, I don't know if I. Sp- I don't know. I don't know if I see the trade. 
where the where the stars coming in this summer because unless it's a Beal and maybe it is a Beal you know and it's RJ going out and the Beal and it's you know it's RJ and and Fournier and and like the Wizards pick and like not much else but like wouldn't it be just so much easier or maybe not easier easier is the wrong word but like it would be pretty easy in my mind at least to bring in a, a five who could shoot. I'm like, fine, you don't want to pay Carl Anthony Town $62 million a year in however many years, and you're over the Porzingis thing. Like, I don't know. Like, they've been linked to Turner. So, like, they've been linked to Turner every year for the last four years. You know, he's best friends with Julius, or was, I think he's friends with Julius, whatever. Like, I don't know that. Again? What? Who reps him again? I should know this. Take, take a, one guess. And if you get it, it wrong, I'm kicking you. I'm okay, kicking it off your own podcast. Okay. It is CAA. That's what it I It is CAA. Yes. Uh, he, yeah. I mean, look, my, and 20 million a year for the next two, sorry, 20 million a year for the next two years. Cause the extension they gave him was all loaded up for this year because mm-hmm. of that funky, they use their cap space very right. smartly, by the way. Very but smart. Like, yeah. Yeah. Made it, it's a very tradable number, 20 million a year for him. Yeah. Miles Turner number. is, is a great, he had a great year last year too, by the way. Really good year. Yeah. Miles My, Turner is a great fit in a lot of places. Not because he's like one of the, I don't know. I'd have to do it out. He's probably not one of the five best centers in the league. But the thing is, it's very rare to find a center who guards really well, protects the rim and shoots threes and you is like attainable. Like normally if those guys are, are difficult. Like he's a unique prototype. Just shoots threes well enough to where you have to guard him beyond the arc. Fred, and Chris he's gotten better. He's probably going to get paid $40 million this summer. Or yeah, cl- close got, to it. Yeah. Porzingis would be a good fit for them. Well, I, I don't get me started on Porzingis. I, I, I actually think a reunion would make some sense. But like t- to that point, for as much, I think Porzingis is a really good player. Turner costs half as much. And we just got done talking about fucking new CBA for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. No, Turner, Turner would make. I don't disagree. Turner would make a whole ton of sense. Yeah. Well, he'd make a he'd make a ton of sense on a lot of teams. He'd make a ton of sense on that yeah. team. He'd well, that's the thing. Yeah. He could spread the floor. Uh, I think he's a better screen setter. He's a little more physical now. I think. I think he's better inside the arc. He's a better roller. Like he used to just like pop off everything. I think he's a he's a more aggressive roller off of screens now. Like he's he had a great year last year. He had a great year, and is he's a very good defender. And yeah, I'm with you. He'd be perfect for them. But, you know, the question is, what's it? What would it be? Would it be Mitch and Obi? Is that enough? No. You've got to throw on picks, probably. Um, And then, like, does Indiana, you also got to ask, like, from the Knicks perspective, you go, let's say you go Mitch, Obi, and, and however many picks it takes. From the Knicks perspective, you also have, you also have to ask from the Indiana perspective, like what are their goals? That's an organization that doesn't love to rebuild. They no. might not be enticed with with picks as much as like you know you or I probably think they should be. Like well, they're they're not as enticed with picks you, to that level. So this is how we're going to end it. You want to hear the absolute insanity I I came up with? I I don't think the Knicks would do this. But I did think of this three-team trade. Let me see if I can. I wrote, I wrote it in a footnote to my newsletter the other day. I'll see if I can remember it. So we know who did Indiana have a fascination with last summer at the center position? DeAndre Ayton. Yes. Now, I think you 
you could pretty easily argue that Miles Turner had a better year than DeAndre Ayton. I think they should just do that trade now, by the way. What? Just do it now. Oh, Turner and something because you need Turner to... Turner for Ayton. You need, yeah. Well, you need to... Oh, wait, no, you don't because Indiana has the, has the cap space. They could just bring in the extra money. Yeah. Um, or they could offload Buddy Hield. They could. So, wait, here's the trade that I thought of, which everybody listening to this podcast is going to absolutely hate. But I think I thought of... Was it quickly? What did I have? Quickly, I had a lot. I had quickly healed and Mitch ending up in Phoenix. I checked the money. I think the money works on this. Aiton and RJ going to Indiana, and then Turner. I think I had like for salary purposes, like uh, TJ McConnell. Although Tibbs would love TJ McConnell. Coming to the Knicks, but here's the here's the catch because that's obviously the Knicks are giving up a ton and they're I love Turner, but he's not worth all that. And the Knicks bring back the seventh pick in the draft from Indiana, which they would then f- put into a trade for some star player this summer. Who's the star? That's where that's <laughs> the hang up. That's the hang up. but I said the, the only way that this insanity would ever should ever be uttered out loud is if they had a something lined up where some team was like, we have our eye. Let's say that, you know, the, one of the Thompson kids or the, the kid from Villanova or so, someone that would be there at seven that they really were, that they really wanted. So essentially it'd be yeah. like a four team trade. Yeah. That's insane. I'm with you. It is insane. insane. Okay. Insane. But who says no to that? I do. Okay. I'm not covering that. I'm not writing about that. I'm not, I'm not doing this whole lead up. The draft is in like a week. I'm not doing this whole lead up to the draft for the Knicks having no picks and they trade for the seventh pick. And I got to write oh, so about the seventh pick. I got to study the lottery. Got to write about the seventh pick. Got to write about options of the seventh pick. Who's good? Yeah. Who's bad? I'm not doing that. I, I'm That's saying fair. no. I'm wiping you it say off no. the table. They're not trading into the lottery. I couldn't handle that. I, I not. No, they're, they're not. I mean, they're not going to trade into the lottery. For, okay. I also, for what it's worth, and yeah. no, this is too serious analysis for the proposal, but no, please. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think they're like starving for another young guy. They got a lot of young guys, you know, they, they already struggle to play all their young guys who the Knicks. Like, yeah. Oh no. But again, they wouldn't be making this pick. They, they, right. They're flipping be, it. They would only it. be doing this to flip the pick. Got it. So I don't have to study. Okay. So they, they can, that can happen then. Cause I, I don't have to study the lottery then. I couldn't tell if, if from a else. valuation perspective, it, it all, it all hinges to me in my mind on some team being in love with someone at seven and then valuing that in some other trade. So I, I there's really probably isn't a way to yeah. judge the value. I mean, honestly, that would have to be such a quick turnaround that you would probably need a 14 deal. Yeah. And, or you'd have to wait until after, like, wait to execute it till after. I mean, you'd have to wait until after the lottery to execute it or something, or after, uh, you know, you once the that, offseason starts to execute it. You have to and, do that anyway with a lot of these trades that get announced. Yeah, there. well, you loop, but I mean, just you got to you gotta make it a four-teamer. Like, I don't yeah. think you can do that with the plans to trade seven and not know what you're doing with seven. Oh, no, you do this. You yeah. you know where you're sending. Seven. So, yeah, it's a four-team. So, I thought of three of the, the three of the four. Team. Yeah, we need a fourth team and we need a star. We need a star. What else is new? Okay. Uh, we, we've t- I've kept you for far too long. Uh, you have to finish writing your story. I have to finish writing my newsletter. Um, Fred Katz, anything else before I let you go? Absolutely nothing. There you go. Okay. I hope they traded to the fucking lottery. <laughs> 
I'll lose my mind. <laughs> I, Is that I, it? What? Are we done? Yeah. Uh, everybody go subscribe to The Athletic. Oh. Uh, read Fred Katz. Uh, I don't know. Follow him on Twitter. At Fred Katz. Don't, uh, don't talk to Enos Cantor if you see him out. Uh, and he speaks to your child and wants to give your child an, order, you want an autograph. I don't know. No pictures. Pictures, excuse me. Don't take pictures with the news game. Okay. Uh, everybody, thanks for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We'll be back with more fun and games very soon. Peace out. Peace out.